0: Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content marketing in government and public sector organizations. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted that once again you have joined me uh, for what is going to be a really interesting session. It is in fact the third of the contributions that were made at the Case for Content event that we held here at the Australian National University in Canberra as part of Innovation Month for the Australian Federal Government. But we'll come to that in just a moment and I'll introduce that third and final speaker. But before we do, I'll start with the definition of content marketing as it relates to government and public sector organisations as I do each week. So, content marketing is a strategic, measurable, and accountable business process that relies on the creation and curation and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content. The purpose is to engage and inform a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen and or stakeholder action. So as I mentioned, the Case for Content, a really successful event that we held here in Canberra, Australia, as part of Innovation Month back in the last Friday of July. And our third speaker that day was Hank Yongan. Now, Hank is a legend in Australian government communications. He is currently the general manager and departmental spokesperson for the Department of Human Services. As the primary spokesperson for DHS, Hank regularly participates in talkback radio and is interviewed on television and is actively engaged across the spectrum of social media channels. Hank has been a senior Australian public servant executive for more than 20 years, and he has been responsible for national strategies supporting key government reforms and has had a major role in the creation of Centrelink, which is the Australian system where we manage our social security payments. Hank was awarded the Australian Public Service Medal for Outstanding Public Service as Centrelink's media spokesperson and a leader in innovation in communication. And Hank has been around for a very long time, and he was a very popular presentation that he gave. So here is, in fact, an edited version of what Hank had to say that day, because it was Chatham House rules. And so there are a few things that Hank said on the day that Probably best uh, not said more publicly, not that they were too provocative, but it's better to be safe than sorry, as most of you people working in the public sector will understand. So what we'll do is listen to Hank. It's a little bit shorter than, than the other presentations and a little bit shorter than normal. But what I'm also then going to do is answer some of the questions that we got at the case for content about how organisations can can pick up this opportunity of content marketing in government and public sector organisations. But before we get to the question and answer, here is Hank Yongan.
1: I was very interested in the comments that you made uh, and... Um, uh, particularly the comment about the revolution. I have to say that my experience has been one of evolution. You know, I almost lapse into, well, I'm the dinosaur in the room, and, you know, I've been fortunate to see the evolution of the emerging technologies and the adaptations it, it demands. The good news is that I was flexible enough to embrace them as they emerge. I still remember a conversation within the department many, many years ago about the fact that we should have a web page and that someone in IT had created one. And I thought, hmm, I don't think that's right. And that was my first battle with emerging technology. I wanted the web page. It, it had to be our web page because it was a communication tool rather than an IT tool. So those, I've been through those battles. And I have to say, the other thing about content marketing is when you talk to traditional communicators, they say, it's what we've always been doing. Uh, and, and I agree. Uh, it is true, because my whole career has been built on right information, right channel, but delayed communication. And that's the big difference. Because what we're dealing with now is immediacy, expectations from the community that we respond in a timely manner. And I have to say that within government, certainly within my department, that's, that timeliness issue still poses some challenges for us. Fortunately, the case studies that I'm going to show you, we were, we were able to get a business area engaged where that timeliness became one of the crucial elements. And the other thing I have to say about this is, yes, it is all about the same sort of traditional communication we've always done, but some of the elements that you still need to do it effectively exist and at the core it's about having talented people motivated people imaginative staff and uh, a new elements injected which is a cross discipline uh, across uh, uh, the teams that you need because it's so easy for me to stand here and talk about successful exercises, but at the core, this is about collaboration. This is about staff being driven, motivated, wanting to achieve the outcome, and then engaging the business in order to do it. And that's what I hope to, sh- to illustrate in um, Uh, in this um, uh, presentation. We have a number of social media platforms that we use to engage with our customers. We have five Facebook accounts, seven Twitter accounts, um, one LinkedIn and two YouTube channels that we use to to target various uh, uh, sectors of our community. And the key for us with families is a Facebook presence called Family Update. And we know that this has an area of high interactivity. It's an area where friends are tagged and participants answer each other's questions. And when we see that happening, we jump in and say, oh, Mildred, Thanks for answering that question. You're quite right, bloody, bloody, blah. So we go into the process of encouraging that interaction and uh, exchange of information. We visibly and actively support it uh, to ensure that it's happening. Those of you that are a parents would know that family tax benefit is what it says. It is intended that it should be paid annually at the end of the financial year as a lump sum, but 94% of families choose to have it paid fortnightly in advance. And what's that mean? There's got to be a reconciliation at the end of the financial year. And what happens of course is massive increase in our business at this time of year. We were able to talk to the business (coughs) about having a meaningful effect in terms of reducing that call demand and taking the principles of content marketing a step further. We worked with the business area and we identified nine different scenarios, nine different groups of customers that had a different imperative and that had to take different measures in order to resolve their issue. But out of that nine, there are actually only two that need to ring us. The other scenarios, we've got a solution uh, which involves them dealing with it online, getting information online, and understanding what's happening to them online. But you think about it, nine layers of different communication is all part of the challenge that uh, we deal with. And it's typical of the sort of business that we're involved in. So the way in which we did that is we developed the nine scenarios, and I might add, that those nine scenarios are something that I use in talkback radio. Because, again, what we try and do is have a multimedia approach to every aspect of our work. And there is another audience, of course, or there's uh, the same audience that can be uh, where messaging can be reinforced. Because the scenarios enable me to, with absolute certainty, talk to people about what they need to do. And in most instances, you don't need to call us. Uh, The issue can be resolved online and you can actually uh, deal with it online. So we promoted as part of that, there were three key Facebook posts that we um, uh, heavily promoted via Facebook and social media. And they reached nearly 550,000 people. And it was about drawing an additional audience into the family update space, where we know people will engage, where our messaging was crucial, and where we know there is interactivity. Um, we specified the call to action for each of the categories of the, of the nine. We set up a dedicated team to meet the demand and properly answer promptly answer customer questions. In this case, we built the credibility, which meant that in most instances, we were answering questions within 30 minutes. And in fact, because we'd done the work beforehand, we knew what the questions were going to be. We're still in the middle of this exercise, uh, and we are still uh, uh, uh in the pro- uh, facing peak demands in terms of the uh, overall uh, evaluation of the family tax benefit stuff however so far we've responded to 10,000 plus questions and as i said usually within 30 minutes sometimes faster we've achieved 21 and a half thousand new likes on the page messaging has reached 1.5 million so far and uh, again The core messaging around each of the scenarios um, uh, is is where we've focused our attention. So the challenge is always to make sure that your content is interesting and relevant. And what we've found in terms of doing that is firstly, of course, you've got to make all your comments relevant and timely. But in effect, what it's about also is a subversive approach. You know, something to underpin your messaging, which is much more interesting and fascinating. And what we've discovered is you use staff and people as champions to get your messaging across. Um, From our perspective, whenever we're faced with a challenge, we look for the people elements. I mean, we do the discipline stuff, uh, which is what I've talked about, but we look for the people elements. How can we use people in order to do that? Sometimes that'll be me. The other thing I have to say is, uh, you know, we call it good news content and often um, we'll use that firstly to champion a cause. But then uh, in terms of our overall reputation, the other thing we do is we embark on monthly themes, uh, all of which utilise staff in order to capture the imagination uh, of our customers, and to show that we're a human organisation, that our people care. You know, whenever I'm out in the network, I'm amazed at our staff, who, uh, in my view, deliver fantastic services, despite us here at the centre. Bureaucracy uh, can can do amazing things to, to undermine the delivery of effective customer service. So from our perspective, we use themes like the gift of giving in order to generate that positive uh, 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 content that we need. And what we're finding is that people want to see that content. They actually respond to it. They actually engage in it. And uh, they're pleased. And, and you know, this is just an indication of some of the feedback that we get as a result of those sorts of uh, uh, activities that we engage in. Um, So it humanises the department, it reinforces this nuancing, you know, we don't simply give black and white messaging, we go beyond that. The one thing that I haven't talked about is the fact that we're increasingly uh, engaging in the use of much more media content. You made the comment earlier that, you know, we all become a production house. We've actually been a production house in DHS for a number of years. We've got a TV studio. We have video capability, so I just need to talk about the fact that our use of video and rich media is also part of the mix that we use. And look, it's I'm not being too subtle. You know, there's nothing like a puppy um, <laughs> uh, to engage. And what we've done within the department is we've sponsored a guide dog puppy. The staff donate money towards uh, uh, the puppy. They've entered into a contest to name the puppy. Um, You know, I learned this lesson. I was never a dog owner, but I remember when Amanda Vanstone was appointed our minister. She came from the Justice Department. And the first thing she said to me is how disappointed she was that we didn't have an excuse to use puppies, because in justice, she worked with customs. And every six months, there was a photo of of her with cute puppies. I never quite understood that. Three years ago, I got a dog of my own. I'm, I'm captured. Um, so, so look, I, I, again, the point I'm making is uh, you need to diversify the range uh, and nature of the material that you're getting across. Um, the other side effect, the other aspect of using staff as heroes, uh, which is really important, is it actually has an effect on your staff. Your staff love reading about other staff. It does engender a sense of pride in the organisation and it also contributes overall to the reputation management of the organisation. I mean, we're a department that do a tough job. We're not soft and cuddly. But what we are doing is by engaging with people and demonstrating to them that we're not the cold bureaucracy, slowly but surely, we are shaping those perceptions. Thank you.
0: So there you go, Hank Yongan. Very very popular uh, presentation there, and uh, fantastic examples of how to use content uh, in 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 a range of different ways. But I, my particular favourite was, you know, the way that they used it to solve that business problem around the call centre to be able to, you know, use content to. Explain, to educate, to change that behavior, and actually to have that case study that they're now able to realize and understand those benefits, but also to quantify those benefits to show the direct return of getting involved in content marketing. So, uh, a very big thanks to Hank Yongan, a very big thanks also to Kim and Trish, who we've heard over the last couple of weeks, and there will be more case for content um, events from Content Group in all sorts of different um, shapes and sizes as well. You know, we want to do smaller ones, medium-sized ones, but continue the education process as more and more people uh, continue to adopt the practice of content marketing uh, in government and the public sector. Now, look... I do want to answer some of those questions, but just before I get to that, it's something really exciting has happened for a content group, and I certainly hope for you as well, uh, in government public sector organisations around the world. We have just received a federal government grant here in Australia, and the research, it's a research and development grant, because what they've done here in Australia is one of the problems that they've identified as part of the sort of Innovation ecosystem is the disconnect between business and academia. Um, academics are great at solving problems and researching and understanding what's going on, but often they're trying to solve the problems that they think are particularly interest uh, are of particular interest to them. So, what the federal government here in Australia has done is to say, "Well, that's great, and yes, there'll be still money for you to do that, um, you know, uh, elementary research that really." Um, important research that academics have done for a long time. But what they've also said is, okay, here's a bucket of money now that we're going to put in the hands of business and then business can take their problems across to academic organisations and solve those problems. So we applied and we were successful. And essentially what we've done is, as you know, we have a process and we understand this content marketing process, but it's grown up out of our... Uh, practice, I suppose. And there's not that evidence-based, that theoretical underpinning uh, that we would like to see to bring the rigor to it, which will help for the further adoption of content marketing as a a practice and as a process for government and public sector organisations, not just here in Australia, but indeed all around the world. So, uh, last week, we got the the notification through from uh, the federal government that yes, we believe that this challenge of governments communicating more effectively with citizens and stakeholders is worthy of further investigation. Uh, We have partnership with the Australian National University, and we've agreed uh, to terms on what that is going to look like. So it's likely to take us the next 10 months or so as we really, you know, pull apart and stress test uh, the methodology that we've come up with and try to look to those theoretical and evidence-based underpinnings uh, to try to really build out this process and make it even stronger, more rigorous, and then more able to, be, uh, to travel further because of its, you know, the framework that it'll be sitting in. So that's going to be a really exciting uh, process for us. And I think as part of this podcast series as well, I think what we'll do is engage our academic partners along the way and discuss you know, some of the things that they're finding and understanding so we can all learn from it uh, along the way. And if indeed any of you listening out there might be interested in participating uh, in the program at all, um, we've got the, on the content group website info at contentgroup.com.au, or you can ping me at david.pembroke at contentgroup.com.au. So if you have any interest in being involved, please uh, let me know uh, if you've got a project that you'd like to be to uh to put up and being involved that would be great as well and yeah so so let me know so there are just a couple of numbers uh or a couple of email addresses that you can use to get in contact with me and we will keep you informed along the way but that's a really exciting development and i know that i'm also uh We're a couple of weeks away now from uh, Content Marketing World. I'll be heading off to run the Government and Public Sector Workshop on the final day of content marketing in Cleveland, Ohio at Content Marketing World, so I'm certainly looking forward to that and hopefully a number of you are coming along. And so we can talk about that research program at Content Marketing World. And I'm finalizing the presentation and I'm very pleased. And actually, I have some uh, more news next week about a couple of guests who will be joining me during that presentation to talk about their experiences. One, uh, a European case study. And the other is from the United States. So that's pretty exciting as well. And looking forward to that. And there is still plenty of time to get to Cleveland. Uh, And I know, particularly long term listeners, you will know how enthusiastic I am about the Content Marketing Institute and the fantastic work that they do, uh, particularly in the business-to-business, business-to-consumer area. But obviously as a, um, a government communicator, public sector communicator, what I'm always looking to do is to see what can we learn out of those fast-adopting areas and what can we bring across into government and public sector practice that can help us to you know strengthen communities and improve the wellbeing of citizens through effective content marketing. So I would encourage any of you who are listening who – could possibly get to Cleveland in the first week of September I think it runs 7 through 9 you won't regret it uh, I can I can guarantee you that that you will really certainly enjoy the community you will enjoy the learning and hopefully you would enjoy the, the workshop if you were to come along as well. So I'd encourage as many of you as possible to, to get involved and get to uh, Content Marketing World run by the Content Marketing Institute and it is a fantastic occasion. I think this is the, the fifth year of Content Marketing World. So uh, when I first went uh, five oh, – say it's five years ago now, I think it was five years ago, there were about 600 people – from 15 countries, and this year there'll be over 4,000. I think they're thinking more like four and a half thousand from, I think it's closing in on maybe just over 100 countries as well. So the practice is growing, it's spreading. Um, we as government and public sector communicators need to build a bigger presence there because it is really for the B2B, B2C. But as I say, there's a huge amount of learning there that you can take um, and and apply in your, your daily practices, communicators in government and the public sector. So just another hint or tip or encouragement if you can get along there, particularly for those of you in North America, not that far away or even in Europe. You know, it's not that far to get there. Cleveland's a great place. The people at the Content Marketing Institute are the most hospitable, friendly, uh, and they put on a great show. Um, So I would strongly encourage you to do that as well. Okay, so some of the questions that came through our evaluation forms uh, are are in front of me now, and I'll just try to answer a couple of those in the few. moments that we have left uh, for, to, for today's show. So the first question was, how can we as communicators engage business lines to get them on board for content marketing? Well, I think the key thing, it's really about, you know, th- th- and this is about anything really, is that you've got to understand what their needs are what their queries are, what their problems are, what their pain points are, and understand the language that they use to describe that, but to essentially understand what their problem is that you can help to solve. And that's the first question, is to really ask, so what is that problem you have at the moment? What is, the, what is it the issue that you are dealing with? It might be a, a question of regulation, and it could be that they're trying to get to a, uh, you know, particularly difficult or hard-to-reach community so as that they can deal with that particular issue. And I, we're working on a couple of jobs at the moment, one of them in an energy and gas re- retailer, um, and the other one a, a big federal government department uh, dealing in the environment space. And and these are specific examples that we've used where we've gone in and said, okay, well, what's the challenge? What's the problem? What are you trying to achieve? And when you, you you start getting people talking about their problems, they'll you know they'll articulate them and they'll be able to bring them forward to you. And then really, the notion of getting people engaged is, is then to describe um, how content uh, marketing may in fact be able to contribute to. Uh, solving that particular problem. So if it's about awareness of a program or understanding about the um, particular activity that's taking place, which is contrary uh, to the goals of this particular area and something that has to stop, uh, understanding where the audience is, who is in fact maybe contravening the regulation or behaving in a way that they shouldn't be. So then taking them through that process and thinking about okay, what's the story that we need to tell? Who are these people? Where are they located? How do they get their information? Who influences them? So these are basic, strong business principles that are underpinning that content marketing process, which was really an adaptation of strategic communication planning um, from years ago. So Understand it from their point of view. That's the way that you will build that understanding. And then start to find a small opportunity. Don't try to solve the whole thing at once and think that you're going to get the whole thing done. Try to carve off the piece or the smaller part of the challenge or you know, the minimum viable product, if I could use that um you know, fast becoming cliche in terms of the way that we develop solutions. But find that minimum viable um, problem, the smallest possible problem that you can solve and then describe to that client how you're going to solve it with content marketing or how you're going to contribute to solving the problem with content marketing and get the project up. So speak in their language, understand what their problems are, describe how you might be able to help and then find a way that you can then prove the case for content marketing. And then from there, you should be able to get uh, great success. But start those conversations and start listening and and really hearing what those issues are and seeing what you can do from there. Okay, the next question that I've got, um, and I've got about five minutes to go. I've just got the uh, five minutes, so we'll we'll just uh, keep going here for the next five minutes or so. Uh, Where does content marketing sit in terms of risk management? Now, again, government and public sector uh, organisations in terms of our project management uh, and our risk management, it's important that we do identify risks. And this is one of the things, in fact, in terms of our research program with the Australian National University, uh, what we have done in the last 12 months or so is to understand the context of working in government and public sector organisations. And there are, you know, large numbers of competing stakeholders with different levels of influence and different levels of um, capability. And, you know, so you've got to really understand who those stakeholders are. But at the same time, you also need to manage or identify risk and make sure that you are addressing that when you are building your plans. So our methodology, you know, is not too dissimilar to most anyone else's content marketing approach, as in understanding the objectives, you know, setting the content marketing goals, understanding the audience, the story that you want to tell, the story that the audience wants to hear, and then building out that content marketing program with offline channels, online channels, um, the choice of different types of media, be it video, audio, stills, text, and graphics, uh, putting the editorial calendars together and then measuring and evaluating against those goals that you'd set yourself, which are related to those objectives and the behaviors that you're seeking to achieve through those objectives. So But what we what we found as was what we needed was a, a more rigorous, rigorous framework to put around that methodology. And so we have already done some work with the ANU, and it was really about wrapping our methodology in a really robust um, framework. So a project management framework, and that includes, at the earliest stages, understanding and identification of benefits and benefits realisation, then really very strong project management framework around it. But inside that project management framework is this idea of risk, risk identification and risk management. So in our process now, we undertake a very clear identify identification of what are the risks, of being involved in content, but then also how are you going to mitigate those risks? So, And there are ranges of, of ways that you can uh, mitigate risks through better communication, uh, better understanding, greater awareness, and there are sometimes things that you understand that, well, okay, that's a risk that we're not prepared to take, so let's make sure that we consider that in all of our planning. But it's also important to understand that with risk, the other side of risk Is opportunity. So if someone asks you about risk and risk uh, risk management, be sure to understand that if you're going to go down that path, you also want to be talking about opportunity identification and opportunity management as well, because it is the other side of risk. Because if you take a particular action, yes, there could be the risk that flows from it. But conversely, there's also the opportunity. That's going to drive from that as well. So making sure that, yes, we want to be talking about risk, but we also want to be talking about opportunity and taking up the challenge of identifying what are some of those potential opportunities that could flow from us by engaging in this publishing, this Creation and curation of useful, relevant and consistent content that is meeting the needs of those specific audiences that we're seeking to engage in. Because if we can move them along by producing this great content, by impacting on their behaviour – Hopefully, we're going to be able to uh, achieve better outcomes, both for the community and also for those individual stakeholders and for ourselves, as we are commissioned uh, to do those things. Just finally, uh, a question there about changing attitudes at the executive level. Well, really, I, I think that goes back to my first answer there about engaging business lines. I think the thing that executive levels understand is problems. Uh, they understand budgets, they understand priorities. So it's so very important that you understand what it is that is keeping them up at night. What are their biggest issues? What are their biggest challenges? And how can you bring the content marketing process to the table and present it in such a way that it makes sense to them? So and we tend to find that increasingly, you know, having those really strong measurement and evaluation frameworks that can produce numbers that can then be part of that executive level conversation is increasingly important that we need to take on the challenge as marketers, as communicators, to try to define what we do uh, in as many quantitative measures as that we can produce, but also those qualitative measures. And increasingly, we're also seeing that there's a massively important role uh, for surveys, benchmark surveys, trying to get some measures around the attitudes uh, that are involved in your particular uh, challenges. And so then you can, you know, understand where that benchmark is, introduce your program, which is, you know, based on, the best possible insights that you can can put in place put those content marketing programs together apply them consistently and effectively over time and then come back in a 12 month period or a or a 2 year period and measure if in fact you've been able to shift those attitudes but to try to get as many qualitative and quantitative measures in place so once you can get the conversation about the numbers, once you can sort of distill the message, they don't want to know that, you know, Well, you know, of all your day-to-day challenges and everything else, but what they do want to see is that we are making an impact through our content marketing. And I did say this at the case for content that I've seen the future of content marketing and it involves maths. So I know it's not great news for me because it's not my thing and for probably many of you who've traditionally been in communications, it's not why you started to go down this path but uh, unfortunately that's where we have to be and we have to take up the challenge and we have to get ready um, to be as accountable as we possibly can and the best way to do that is to try to put together a coherent um, strong set of measures um, where we can measure the the impact of our creativity and our imagination and our ability to tell great stories uh, to impact on the behaviors of those audiences that we're seeking to reach influence and engage okay so only three questions there um, I did get some feedback a couple of weeks ago that people, Uh, did enjoy the question and answer session as well. So what I might do, I might do that again in another couple of weeks is just go through the rest of these questions that were there from the case for content. So if you do have a question, um, if you have a suggestion of someone who you would like us to interview, I heard this on a podcast the other day, Ezra Klein's uh, podcast um, on the Vox uh, network. And he was saying to his audience, you know, if you've got any suggestions, let me know. So I think that's a great idea. So info, at contentgroup.com.au or david.pembroke at contentgroup.com.au. Perhaps you're a listener and you'd like to be on the show, happy for that. Or if there's somebody else you think that would be great to interview who's got some insights, love to hear about those people as well. And also, I know I've said this before about, you know, not wanting to, you know, uh, impose on the audience to give us a, a review or, you know, or to share it around or spread it around. But all the podcasts that I listen to, everyone does it. So if you, you know, if you could nudge somebody and think that there's some value to them to let them know that it's here, that'd be great. If you could sign up to our newsletter at contentgroup.com.au, that would be fantastic as well. If you could give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be much appreciated as well. Um, But you know, if you can't do it, don't worry about it either. No great hassle because I like doing it and it doesn't matter whether we get reviews or not, we'll be turning up and seeking to uh, create some value for you in the weeks and months and years ahead. And I'm really excited about this research program at the ANU. That's going to be great. I think that can be, you know, as we set to, you know, build out this uh, standard that we can all be using over the years ahead. So anyway, thanks again. Uh, Thanks for your time. Thanks again to Hank for his contribution to the Case for Content and I'll be back next week. Bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.